0: Level of Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique
1: coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Level of Latina podcast. Today, we have the honor of having Nelly Galan of the moneymaker Mi Mundo Rico podcast as our guest. Nelly is a New York Times bestselling selling author an Emmy award winning producer and former president of entertainment for Telemundo. That's just to name a few of her accolades. Nelly's mission and goals resonate with us. You know your team of Level Up Latina, you know that we share the vision of leveling up mujeres and Latinas everywhere. So, aquí estamos, and we're definitely going to take a seat at the table.
3: Welcome Nelly, how are you doing today? Oh my God! So happy to be with you, ladies. I'm so proud of you, and we're all we all have a shared mission of, you know, helping our other Latinas and and helping us get to where we need to go and there where we go. deserve to go. I love
2: it. I love it. So we're really excited that we got connected with you and have you on the show today. You're a fellow podcaster, so you know how some of these these conversations sometimes go as planned, and sometimes we get drifted off into not pointless conversations but other things can also llama la atención yeah. so before we get started on all of this good stuff um yeah. tell us a little a little bit about yourself your background your upbringing we know you're cubana so share a little bit of you with us
3: today so i'm a cubana that came from cuba when i was 5 and i'm one of those cubans that went to live in new jersey yeah. so that's a very different experience than, the, than <laughs> being in miami let's say or even new york uh, i'm a new jersey cuban but like like you know like all, so many of us my parents came here and they had lost everything from one day to the next. And I knew from the time I was five years old that I had to become, you know, I I always say now that I'm a psychologist, I say I was parentified, you know, like I had to become almost the parent, the translator, the team player, the helper to get money into the family, the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, I, 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 very, I tell everybody that I sold Avon in the seventh grade to help pay for my all-girl Catholic school. And uh, and really, my whole life changed when I was in high school. In the same all-girl Catholic school, in my sophomore year, I was accused of plagiarism. Uh, I was such a goody-two-shoes, and I did everything right. And the Mongha that I was in school with, who, by the way, was my favorite teacher, said to me, I think you've plagiarized this story, and I think this is an Ernest Hemingway story. And I, and I had to... Be suspended for three days. And I went to my parents and I said, esto es una injusticia. Like this lady just. And my parents are like, Pide perdona a la monja. Like, very scared of authority, very like, and I'm like, why? I didn't do anything wrong. And my in my anger that weekend, after I had gotten, you know, suspended, I decided to write a story and send it to 17 magazine which at the time was the magazine that I read. And like back then there was no internet. So like we all read like three things, you know, same here. And, um, same, same. And we loved magazines too, honey. (laughs) We love it. And I wrote an article about why you shouldn't send your kid to all girl Catholic school. And the next Monday I went to school, the Monja asked me for forgiveness. And she goes, you know, you're really a good writer. Like I thought it was an Ernest Hemingway story, but in fact it wasn't. And you got an A plus and, the whole thing went away, and then three months later, uh, I got a check in the mail for a hundred dollars from Seventeen, and they said we're publishing your story. And then I freaked out, like, oh my god, I feel's meow. Oh, what am I gonna do? And the story came out, and it was like a bomb. All the girls in school were like talking about me, like it, kind of positive, like I was kind of cool that I I wrote like a sassy article, you know. And I got called to the principal's office and the head nun expel me from the school i was one of two latinas in a school that was like a very prestigious school the academy of the holy angels and i was uh it was mo- it was a lot of catholic girls and a lot of jewish girls too because it was such a good school and then um you know i got expelled i tell my parents and they're like "Be that go on your hands and knees and ask for forgiveness and i'm like these people are, are messed up like you know this is wrong, and I said to and I said to my parents, uh, "Like, didn't you guys? One of the reasons that we came from Cuba is for freedom of speech. Like, I don't think this is legal. I don't think they can do this." And back then, again, no internet. I went to the library and I got the number for the Board of Ed of New Jersey, and an African American man answered the phone and he's, I said, is this right? And and he goes, well, it's a private school. They can do whatever they want. They can expel you, but you don't have to take it. I'm going to set you up with a local newspaper and you're going to tell your story. And I, and my like, you know, locura, So like in today's world, you guys, it's like to be like loud is kind of great. But back then we were all told as Latinas, like Callate la boca. And especially me that I came from a revolutionary country. My parents are like, you're not going to grow up to be no Che Guevara. Like you, you know, like we're here, we're grateful, like be quiet. And I did the article and the next day came out, Cuban girl gets expelled for first amendment. And it was like an escándalo. And, you know, I say that in today's world with social media, if it had happened, I would be, I would be Malala, but I, I got called back to the school with my parents and my parents like barely spoke English. And they're like, Oh ¿Por qué tú que hablar? and we go to the school and the nun all of a sudden is nice as pie. And she's like, I never said I wanted to expel you. I just said that I didn't like what you did. And um, in fact, I looked at your records. You're such a good student. You're an AP student. We're going to graduate you a year and a half early. And my mother was like, hi, eso es un honor. I go, si sí, es uno. Like it went right over their head. And I got home, and Seventeen Magazine had left me a voice message in the voice box that we had back then. And they said, Call us urgently. So I call them and they go, We are so proud of you that you spoke up for yourself. And we are going to give you the youngest guest editorship in the history of Seventeen Magazine. And so like that was like a life-changing, big-ass change in my life because, number one, everything that I knew to be true became the opposite. I realized my parents are wrong. This is a country where if you speak up and you and you tell people what you think, you get rewarded. And I'm happy I'm out of that damn school at 15. And, I'm, I just, and my parents don't get it, but I just got myself an, an internship, a guest editorship at 17. I'm set for life. I'll get into every college. I'm set. And that is how my entire journey began because I went to, I went to work at 17 magazine. I started writing. They put me to write all the controversial articles. And this lady who I just went to visit like two weeks ago, who's now 88 years old. Ida Barrera was like the only Latina making TV shows in America (laughs) And she was creating the teenage version of 60 Minutes for PBS. And she called me. This was this was two years later. I was at 17. I had gotten into Barnard early admission, the whole nine yards. I gotten scholarships. I mean, and I was in my first semester and I was working at 17 Magazine. And she says, I'm coming to New York. I want to meet you. I'm starting this TV show. I think you'd be a great reporter for the show. And I think she thought I was older. Because I was at Seventeen magazines. so she assumed I was older, and she goes, "You look like a teenager." Como diciendo, I think you're older, but you look like a teenager. And she offered me the job. She said, "You have to move to Texas in two weeks." And uh, I told my parents, "I'm moving to Texas," and they're like, "Usted no se va de aquí hasta que se case." And I'm like, "I'm going," and if you don't, t- if you don't let me go, I'm escaping because you don't get it. Like that's who gets a TV show at 17 years of age. And I woke up two weeks later at three in the morning. I packed up a car. I had a little Chevy Chevette. I was like working, you know, I was working. I had a a job at the limited. I had the 17 internship and I was going to school. I quit everything. I had my little car and my parents are like, you're not leaving. And my mother still to this day tells me that that was the worst day of her life. And I just said, you guys don't get it. I'm going to go. I have to go. And I went. And I parked my car two blocks away, and I bawled because I felt so guilty leaving them. But I knew I had to go. And that's how I got into television. So much. Wow.
2: Wow. Yeah. So much of incredible. that resonates with... Incredible. If you're like, you know, ladies, I'm a, I'm a little older than you. I've, you know, all of this. But so much of your story resonates with us. But that is an incredible story, Nelly. You are a change maker, a trailblazer that... Todo, like you were just, I want to just highlight a few things of the things you said right now, that you know, at seventeen back then you you mentioned everything that you were, you know, at 15, everything that you had learned that you had known to be true was the opposite. You were understanding and seeing your parents from a different perspective. Um, You know, things about, you know, even back then in America, one Latina producer making, creating shows, um, just everything about your story resonates, I believe, with so many of us first generation Latinas that are still kind of making our way through Life and profession and establishing ourselves as professionals, or you know, being the first to go to college, moving away from home, not married, um, getting the guilt trip for yeah. you know taking off on your life, you yeah, know. I still got the guilt trip. I'm
1: still getting, the yeah, trip. I'm getting it it never end. yeah. It never ends. Yeah, it never it ends. ends. No, no matter
3: what we do, it's never enough because we're like you know. Have you girls seen the movie oh, like it's Water it's for it's Chocolate? It's so you know, like yeah. the daughter in that movie. Like the mother doesn't want her to marry. And I think that, you know, there is a version of that for all of us. Like our parents are so dependent on us and we're their everything. And we've been like their guiding force in this country that they almost like, girls, I'm so much older than you guys. And I'm now single again. And I feel like they still don't want me to find a guy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Because now they're old and I'm taking, I don't know if you guys know that I lived in LA for 20 some years. I moved to Miami because my mom got really sick and I took the last two years off. I just started my podcast in March because the two years prior to that, I had to handle my parents' old age. They were, my mom was almost dying and they were like living by themselves. They had food insecurity because my mom cooked and then she started not wanting to cook and they didn't want to say anything. And I mean, what I've been through for two years with my parents, I wouldn't wish on my, on my worst enemy. So painful. And now I finally convinced them kicking and screaming to move basically to a bougie country club place that they were like, no, no. And, and So it never ends this journey that we all are in, you know, I'm a psychologist now and I realize that we, we all get thematic issues in our lives. And for those of us that are Latino, Latinas, our thematic issue is this, like, you know, we have, we're tethered to our parents and to our families in a way that's dysfunctional, but at the same time, it makes us who we are. It makes us empathetic. It gives us all these great traits you know, we 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 may not be so philanthropic because we still have to give money to our parents, but we're philanthropic. Nobody just called it that. But it is a, it is not an easy journey. And if I'm telling you that when I've already made money, when I've, you know, like I want to help you guys so much because I always say, like, I don't know why more young women don't pursue older women. Like we've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, got the house, got the, I've you know, I'm only here on earth to help you guys because I'm done. I've done what I'm, what I set out to do, but it hasn't been easy. And I'm not going to lie. And it's good for you guys to hear from somebody like me, because I don't want you to have like false expectations of what life is. I said to you right before we started the broadcast, life is an obstacle course. Just when you feel like you figured it out, it's like, it's like doing a video game. You get to level two, then you get to level three, then you go, oops, made a mistake back to level one. And that's the way it is. And we are, and Latinos are not further ahead because we're burdened with so much baggage, and burdened with parents that are still thinking they're in another country and an, they're stuck in time. And so it's it's it not definitely easy. isn't easy, girl.
1: Oh yes, we Atlanta, can be here for three hours, mujer. Oh my God! I'm over here like this,
3: like this. I mean, I'll Nelly. be your therapist, girl. Therapist. Like <laughs> Let's cool. do it. We, we, we all, all want it. Yeah. Nelly. We all
0: want what you're bringing. We all believe it. Let's do this. It's like healing, just hearing. No, you I was gonna say,
2: Ceci, this. I mean, it's going through the exact same thing. We're all we all have aging parents at this moment. Ceci's going through a very challenging time with with both her parents.
1: Yeah, same here, Nelly. The last two years has have been really, really difficult. My parents, in igual. They have this big old house. They didn't want to sell it. And it really took me like calling people like my parents need to sell this house. They can't one. They can't afford it anymore. And second, it's too big for them. It's those right. My mom has been, you know, battling cancer for seven years. Um, my dad has mental illnesses. So everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, this is what I'm going to. This is what's what's happening. So thank you for sharing. And and for us to learn like, hey, no estamos solas, like let's lean on each other. Let's hear what others have gone through and done for our parents. And like you said, you know, it's 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 not that we don't want to be philanthropic,
3: but we're
1: doing it with our own parents, you know? You are philanthropic. Say that again.
3: Say that one more time. No, that I think we think like we're not like other people talk about being philanthropic and it sounds like we're not because we don't donate maybe to a nonprofit or but we donate to our parents. I mean what's a what's a more what's a better philanthropy than that? I mean, my parents, when I told them that they had to move because they needed help, my mother said to me, We can't afford that. We no podemos pagar so I go, I gifted you money every year and I invested it for you. You're rich. You're rich. (laughs) What? What? And 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 like so we even have the empathy to, to think like that. Do you know what I mean? You know, other kids in America are so entitled that they don't even feel anything for their parents or their relatives or anything. Empathy, this empathy Empathy, that we're like programmed with. Listen, I made my son, when my parents were going through everything, I made him come and go to every time I went to their house to clean out their house, to do everything. And he'd say, mom, and they would be yelling at me. And he goes, mom, how do you do this? Mom? He goes, how do you like take it? And I said, because in life you complete what you begin and I said, you don't, you don't, can't think of them right this moment when they're screaming and yelling at you, when they're viejitos. You have to remember all the times that they did everything for you, all the time. It makes me cry.
2: I think that's the hardest part is when we get older. Tú sientelo. Cry, like, cry, cry. As kids, we don't, you know. I have four little ones, and I always wonder. Like my husband tells me, they're not going to remember this part of their life. They're not going to remember all the things that you did for them. They they, they lived a the whole life before they start remembering things. And a lot of that is sacrifice, right? And then even then, there's still so much that goes that we pour into our into our children. So when you're getting emotional right now, it, it, tienes razón por que sentirlo. Because now, and, and you know it because you're, you're grateful for those sacrifices that yep. your parents made. You've seen it. You've been able to, you know, you've gone through the process of growing up and saying, oh, th- they did this for these reasons. Even though they were probably wrong at some point, they did it. Lo mejor para mí. and then that's what we do for our children and 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 we can't hold it against them when they don't understand it don't you know they don't want to partake in our later you know later in life with us i don't know i can't even imagine my kids not wanting
3: to i think that kids in america are so not into old people and so not into and I, our kids are growing up in this country and i think you have to explain to them the importance of older of of your grandparents and of older people. And listen, my parents, uh th- I think, I think also you have to re- you guys have to remember that I've had an entire career in TV and then I, I also went back to school at 45 and got a doctorate in psychology. And that really helped me. And I, I would say if I had to give one piece of advice, it's go to therapy early. <laughs> because you know I, I waited to go to therapy later in life. And I, and I realized all of these dysfunctions that we all go through. And also I got taught as a therapist, meet the patient where they are. In other words, your parents did the best they could. Their intention was good. They did a lot of messed up things because whenever we change in life in a drastic way, whether you go from being poor to rich or rich to poor, or you go from being like, you know, in a place where you live that you're the, you're the majority and then you, have to immigrate to another country. Those are like horrible traumas. And those traumas, you know, make you behave in a way that is dysfunctional, but you can't, but you, we have to go back to the intention of people and the intention of our parents for us to have a better life, to to maybe they they didn't want us to leave home, but in a way they brought us here so we'd have a better life. So they don't get how the puzzle comes together And that's why I made my kid go with me to everything. And when we finished moving my parents, which I replicate, listen to what I had to do. I had to replicate their house entirely, exactly the same, like an HGTV thing in an apartment where they were going to get medical help, like an independent living place next to an assisted living place. So they could be ready for the end because my mom couldn't walk anymore. And I made it so that there would be no trauma from one place to the other. Visually. Oh yeah. Can you How imagine? Hard that is. And now my other aunts have moved in there because I, you know, that's the other thing. You get a lot of shit from your family. Like you're the bad one. Like you're doing something horrible. And then everybody else, all your cousins and everybody go, oh man, you, thank God you were the pioneer. Now let's move them all in there, you know? And they all have replicated their places. Like you, you think that an old person is going to want all new stuff. They Mm-mm. don't. They want their own stuff yep. from before. They, they don't yep. like change. <laughs> yeah, They do not so like true. change. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I didn't mean to go off on a whole thing about parents, but I just want us to see how at every phase of our life, we have all this baggage holding us back. We no, do. I'm glad you hit you. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you came to the right place because yes, this is an ongoing
1: like topic like we you know, with with our clients with uh, with our Guilfree squad, we've had this these discussions about like taking care of parents. And I think it's just ongoing because we're living through it. So hearing it from you that have gone through it as well, like I think it's 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 good. And it's healing. To me, it's healing just to hear it and, and it resonates. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all those. Um, really has found
0: her natural home with us, because mm-hmm. not only do we always talk about this thing with aging parents that the younger generation doesn't get, we always talk about coming to the women that already went through it. And you said it earlier, like, why don't we seek out older women that have gone through it? Like, it's the cheat code and the cheat sheet and more women need to do that. And the third thing you said that we always say is therapy, 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 pro oh therapy, a
3: 1000%. So you're, aquí estás en compañía, that's just like you. So we love it. Mira, girls. Let me tell you the last two years, you know, which were a horrible situation. I would not have made it if my son didn't get me, by the way, I never used to exercise at all. And I I'm very blessed because in Miami, I'm living in a building where I have major classes at, you know, here. And my son said to me, mom, you have to exercise. You have to start exercising. That's going to relieve all this tension. Mom, you'll hate it for eight weeks and then you're going to be addicted. And between therapy three times a week, And exercising, I started an hour every day. Now I'm doing two hours a day. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've gone back. I mean, girls, I don't even want to tell you how old I'm going to be in a month. You're going to be in shock. I am in the best shape of my life. So I want women to hear: it's never too late. Like I, my mind is really sharp, and my body is is rocking. Okay, and I have pulled this off in two years by instead of being killing myself with sadness. Is while I was killing myself with sadness, I went to therapy three times a week and I worked out every day. And that made all the difference in the world. All of it. That's going to be our tip of the day. Do something
0: for you. Take care of you three times a week, working out every day, finding the people in your life. That's the tip of the day because like Nelly said earlier in life, we complete what we begin. So she is living this life that she has now decided to start and to complete. So she is now working on herself, but it's never too late to work on yourself. So that's the tip of the day for everyone listening.
2: Sometimes we need that reminder, right? Like it's never too late. It's never too late. Today
3: I had a, I had a guy come in just before you guys and give me a physical because I'm getting life insurance, by the way, mm-hmm. for my estate planning. Okay. All Latinas we need to know about. And the guy says to me, how old are you? He goes, Oh my God! He goes your blood work, and you're like you don't. And I go listen. That's been only for two years because I've been working out like Beautiful. a fiend. So it's never too late to fix. And listen, I went back to school at 45, and I got a doctorate, and I had never finished school. And so, like, I am very into. It's never too late to do anything. That's why I'm going to find Woo. the love of my life at the end of my life. I'm yes. going to yes, do you it.
1: will, you will. You're yeah. going to get it out there.
3: God, you know what? I, let me tell you, girls, I yell at God a lot. I go, God, you, you've given me so many, going back to the app, you give me so many obstacles in the obstacle courses. Now you threw me my parents. By the way, it's not just my parents. It's other viejitos in my life. Like I, I'm helping my 88 year old former mentor who got me my first job in TV. I, I, I've done like five viejitos already. And I go, me caen todos los viejitos because I have the patience for them. But I said, God, okay. I have done. I've been a good girl. I, all I want, I, I will help. I will help every other Latina in the world, but I want the love of my life there's, at the end, and that's it. And I'm, I'm, I'm there's it one better. thing that we do and so we, we definitely
2: it. make things happen. Okay, we just uh, so the manifestation. We're gonna we're gonna manifest that with you. We're gonna yell it out to Diosito. We're gonna yell at him too. So you've mentioned you've you've had, like I said, a, such an amazing life up to you now. You're saying you're turning 6 You're gonna make it even greater. So we've learned that you went back to school at 45 for your doctorate. So you have a master's and a doctorate in psychology. And then we understand that you're like, meet the patient where they are, all these things. So you're doing great internally taking care of yourself. You're investing yourself in giving to other people, having them grow. So we also learned that along your journey, um, you became an entrepreneur but your business didn't generate profit for four years. So we know that you're the kind of person that no se da por vencida. So tell us a little bit about that business venture and what kept you motivated to continue?
3: So that's a great question. And I I, I wanna tell everybody, I'm gonna tell you what I did and why I didn't make money for four years and how you can do it better because I would do it differently today. I was running a little TV station. This is way before Telemundo. This was after, when when I went to work for that lady in Texas, I did the TV show, then I got recruited by CBS in Boston. And I was like what they call today a stringer. Like I would do all these news uh, segments every day and then they would put Diane Sawyer or whoever the anchor woman's face on it. And I wasn't, I was kind of becoming, um, a correspondent producer, right? And I loved that job and I got sent all over the country to interview people every day and one of those people was a guy named norman lear who was a big producer and he and his partner had bought a little rinky dinky station channel 47 in new york and they were like we want to offer you a job to come it was like like they go you're going to run this little station and i'm like what do i know about running a tv station are these people crazy but it was like if you saw it you'd get it it's like almost like a college station it was like junkie it was nothing and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't, a Spanish TV station, that sounds horrific to me. I go, I'm going to be, I'm en route to being a network correspondent, and I want to grow up to be like Robert Walters. And the guy goes, really? Because that sounds like a factory worker. You have two guys here that are multimillionaires, about to be billionaires. We own a TV company. We own all kinds of companies, and we're buying a little TV station, and you're going to be employee one and the Latino market is gonna take off, and you're a Latina, are you stupid? And I always tell my son this, my, tell this, my son gets sick of hearing the story because I go, if it was you, you would've picked your ego, which was to go be on TV. And I, because I was dead broke, my parents were broke, I thought, you know what? I should go work for these billionaire guys, and I should learn this business. And I quit my job at CBS, and I went to run a rinky dinky station in New York. Actually, it was in New Jersey. And that station became Telemundo years later. Okay. But it was the, it was like the flagship first station. I learned everything I know in those few, f- first few years. And they decided to sell that station. And one of them, one of the two guys, one of the two billionaire guys later on ended up buying Univision. But back then, he for that moment, they sold it. And I was distraught. And I went to him and I said, how could you do this to me? This is my baby. How could you sell this to me? Sell this from under me. And he goes, young lady, those are my chips. You want to play? Go get your own chips. And I was like, este viejo odioso. And the guy that was buying the station offered me to stay. But I was like, nope. I'm going to start my own business, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I decided to start this like TV production company or whatever. And four years, now they gave me like a little bit, they gave me some money and they gave me a car as a going away present. I moved to New York city to a fourth floor walk up in the East village, rent control, $300. I, my parents every day would come and visit me and they'd be like, Ay dios mío, ¿por qué tú no consíguete un trabajo? No quieres ser emprendedora, no. Like, se te va a ir la belleza, no tienes un hombre. Oh my God. And for four years I kept at it and kept at it and kept at it, and I took jobs at, from CBS, from my old boss at CBS, doing reports on the side. I mean, I took, I had like three jobs. And it, it was another time when I was like yelling at God, like, dear God, I mean, really, like, can you throw me a bone here? And I went and I met with everyone in Hollywood and everybody turned me down. Every single person turned me down. And I call my old boss, the viejo pesado, and I say, okay, que en paz descanse, because he just died a year ago. And he says to me, what are you complaining about? When I was your age, I started a business. For 10 years, I didn't make money, and then I became a millionaire. You're only on year four. And I kept at it, and I kept at it, and in the fourth year, I got my first piece of business. And in fact, I was telling my son this story in the beach because he came to visit me last week. And I said, then I went from, it was famine and feast. I went from nothing to, and there's a biblical quote for the uh, word that was perfect for this. I said, a quickening happened. And a quickening is when everything comes to you at once, like everything. And then people think you're an overnight success. So in the fourth year, I get my first piece of business, then I get my second piece of business, and then I got so much business because I was the only Latina around when the moment hit, like the Latino thing hit. And my first client was HBO, and they asked me to go help them launch HBO in Latin America. And then they said to me, we're doing black comedy specials. Do you want to do a Latino comedy special? I'm like, yeah, I guess if I knew what I was doing. And that's where I met the father of my son, Paul Rodriguez, the comedian. And then I ended up with him years later. But anyway, and then I got a call from ESPN and they said, do you want to launch ESPN in Latin America? I go, I know nothing about sports. And they're like, well, we're going to give you a sports uh, tutor and you're going to figure it out. And I did. And then I got a call from Rupert Murdoch, who nobody knew who he was. He was coming to America and wanted to launch six channels in Latin America And needed somebody to develop Latino shows. So I went from nothing to honestly girls. Like a year and a half later, I was a millionaire. Now, I would tell girls to do it differently. What I should have done is stayed at the job with the other new owner. I should have started a side hustle. uh, Building up my business. And now that's what I tell women to do. I go, start something as a side hustle. When you have two clients, then you quit your day job. Because honestly, I spent four years suffering for nothing. Like hustling like, a, like an animal, getting side gigs, freelance gigs. When I could have stayed, I, 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 that job I could have done in my sleep. I could have checked the box and I could have had a side hustle. And got, I would have gotten to where I was going anyway, because what's the key to that story? timing timing you may have the best idea in the world listen right now I'm on the board of companies I'm on a particular board of a, of a company with a, a dear friend of mine who's a who's a founder and his timing he, for years he was struggling his timing hit you know I had the right idea for a company but my timing took four years sometimes your timing takes 10 years so in that process of that four years, five years, 10 years, don't struggle, make it do it as a side hustle. So that's how the whole thing started. And from there, I had my own business launching TV channels uh, around the world for different companies. And I started making shows. And then t- uh, the, the station that I originally ran, that guy bought 10 stations around the country over a number of years, turned it into Telemundo, and then he died of a brain aneurysm. And when he died of a brain aneurysm, his family was like, we don't care about the stupid Spanish network. He was an older Jewish man that happened to love Spanish and spoke Spanish. And he was into the Latino market. So when he died, the family was like, we don't want this. And it went into bankruptcy court and Fox and Sony went after it. Sony bought it. Sony at that time was my client. I was launching their channels for them in Latin America. So this is important for you girls to hear because why did I get the job as president of Telemundo? Not because of my creativity, not because I made shows, because I had fiscal responsibility for channels before. I knew how to run, I had learned, by the way, I learned how to run a channel and do the fiscal part, not because I I didn't go to college. I mean, I went one semester. I didn't know anything about finance, so but I, got, I had this job and I had to pretend like I knew what I was doing. So I hired a tutor, a Latina tutor who taught me how to do financials. And so it's like today going on YouTube. And because I had that financial acumen is why I got the job to, to run Telemundo, not because of all the other skills I had.
0: Isn't that crazy? Okay, so Nelly, you're absolutely spot on because the truth is we all need mentors or accountants or life coaches. So we need people to compensate and fill in the gaps and to teach us what we don't know. We don't know everything. So, so cool. Kudos to you. Mentorship is everything. Hiring that tutor, getting the knowledge you needed. That's what Level Up Latina Coaching is. And people need to recognize that I need support and help from an outside source. So congratulations, number one, on doing that. Number two, our favorite, favorite other profession is authorship. You're an author. You wrote Self Made, which is beautiful, and you created the Adelante Movement. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to write this book and what made you stand behind what you created, which was the Adelante Movement.
3: Well, I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, when I was still running my company, my, my entertainment company, I get a call from NBC, and they say, uh, who I, by the way, who I had sold, helped, them, helped my whole team sell Telemundo to NBC. And they called me and they said, we want you to be on Celebrity Apprentice. Do you guys even know the story? And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we need you. And I go, I don't have time for that. I'm making like 500 shows for you guys. And they're like, we're not asking you, we're telling you, because Donald Trump is kind of nasty, especially when it comes to Latinos. And we have a lot of celebrities on the show. We need a Latina because we just brought Telemundo and we want somebody who can talk back to Donald Trump. And we know you're not going to take shit from Donald Trump. And I said, okay, I'll do one episode and that's it because I don't have time to do that. And so I go on The Celebrity Apprentice and he screams at me in the first episode and I let him have it. And, you know, you guys, just so you have some perspective, I have had now before this as clients or as bosses, eight billionaires okay, who have yelled at me, screamed at me, whatever, and I've had to find my voice, I didn't come out of the womb with a voice, I had, to some, I had to take acting classes, I tell everybody, Olivia Pope is my teacher, because Shonda Rhimes wrote her like a chingona, and Shonda Rhimes is really shy, and I'm like, I'm just going to read Olivia Pope over and her scripts over and over again, like, you have to practice being a chingona with your friends, like, if somebody tells me, that girl just told me that, and go, let me tell you what you could have said, and you have to practice So when the moment comes You're ready to tell some man Like I've had men come on to me And I go You know what If you were 30 years younger You'd be the first guy to go out with But now I'm going to be your daughter So let's treat me that way The daughter you love You got to deal with it I've dealt with it I mean it doesn't get worse Than working in Hollywood Okay And I, and I have not been too. I have not I mean I have handled it So if I can do it Anybody can do it. Okay. I'm not saying I, I, listen, I feel for women because it, especially when you're young, but you have to, you have to practice and create a voice for yourself. So anyway, I go on the apprentice. I yell at Donald Trump, but in a very refined business-like way. And when we stopped taping the episode, he goes, you're not going anywhere. We're going to get too many ratings together. And I stay and I stay and I stay on the show. And when the show airs, and this is the beginning of self-made. So that's why I'm telling you the story. I got 1 million letters from women of color, not just from Latinas, from black women, a lot from Asian women, from Middle Eastern women. And they're like, all the letters were the same. Like, how did you learn to speak truth to power? Did you go to Harvard? Like, how did you, who are you? And the LA times did a whole story about how many letters I got. And I realized, that was the beginning of a thought in my mind. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a hidden figure. I'm someone that behind the scenes is doing all these stuff. And all these women, they don't aspire to be JLo or Beyonce. They're aspiring to be a businesswoman. Like I aspire to be. My role model in life growing up, I had a poster of Sherry Lansing who became the first woman president of a studio who was Jewish. And I remember seeing an American Express ad of hers in Vanity Fair and I ripped it out and I turned it into my poster. That's what I aspired to be. And I realized reading these letters, like these women are looking for somebody that looks like them and they wanna hear their story. And off of that show, I got booked on on a speaking tour with Donald Trump's agent got me a speaking tour to speak at 30 Fortune 500s. And and I I was like, I don't even know how to speak in public. But the women were asking me questions, they're like, are you just, did you get a Harvard MBA? Did you, I go, no, I haven't even finished college. I started out as an intern and assistant. And they're like, oh my God, how did you do it? So that was the beginning of that thought. The year after The Apprentice, the economy crashed. And I was in a huge deal with NBC to produce many. I was Tyler Perry Latina. And that year, the economy crashed and they said, we can't buy all these shows from you. And so they they had to give me a big payout because they canceled a big order. And at that time, my son was in the eighth grade. I mean, the third grade. He was eight years old in the eighth in the third grade. He was not doing well in school. And he said to me, Mom, I'm never going to go to college. I hate school. You didn't finish school, and you've done really well. And I go, hell no. And I thought, dear God, if I were to die in a year, and my son would grow up thinking that school's not important, that w- I, that would kill me. And I said to myself, I'm dropping everything. I just got a huge check. I've already made money. I'm going to go back to school. And it was, and I will tell you, that was a hard decision too, because my agent called me and he goes, are you having a nervous breakdown? What's wrong with you? You're at the height of your career. I said, I'm I'm at the height of my career, but there's stuff in my soul that tells me that I need to go back to school. I, there, I have so many gaps in my education. And I can fake it and I always can fake it and I can hire another tutor and I can do that. But in my soul, I feel like I needed to complete that. And also, I feel like I'm old in business years and I'm very immature in my personal life. I date all the wrong people. I've married the wrong people. I, I make such bad mistakes because I never lived through the dating years. I never lived through going to college and having fun. I never. I, I went from 15 years old to working to being in television to being the executive, and I'm immature. And so I went back to school, and it was hard because the first semester I was in school, my professor said to me, "You write like a rapper, and it's because I'm a marketer. I, I'm used to." P-. And he goes, "Here's Trunk and White. You need to learn to write all over again. You're going to write 97 papers, a master's thesis, and a doctor and a doctoral dissertation. You better learn to write." And. I came back and at the time I was in a relationship and my mate said to me, he told you what? He goes, I would quit if somebody told me that. I go, I really liked it because you know what? He doesn't care who I am or what I've done. He's telling me the truth. And I did write 97 papers, a master's thesis and a doctoral dissertation about the psychology of money in multicultural communities. So are we connecting the dots now why the book came out? And when I, and when I I left school, which by the way, I had 20 different nervous breakdowns during school thinking, am I insane? Why am I doing this? And one of my mentors in school said to me, you are in process. This is going to take you to a higher place. You've taken four years off. I did a six year program in four years year round. I took myself on a trip around the world at the end, because I promised myself, if you You complete everything you begin. If you can just complete this, you're going to take yourself on an incredible trip around the world, which I did. And when I finished, I knew what I was supposed to do next. I knew that I had to start with Latinas. And then I knew that I had to help other multicultural women. And I knew that we were in the boat we were in because we were lacking financial literacy. And we were lacking... Really understanding the financial system of this country. And no matter how much I sit on boards where the Coca Cola's of the world and the Walmart's of the world and all these people tell me Latinas are the number one emerging market in the world, which means we're the number one shoppers. We're the number one economy. And African American women are after them and, and Asian. And if you put them all together, they control the economy of the world. As much as they say that, we have not taken that in. And I realized that my obsession with dealing with my pain as a child in my Latino programming. Now I was dealing with my pain as a woman. And I wanted to align with other women and their pain about not being financially independent, not having your own economy. And I, at that point, was a wealthy woman that, that, that got there, be, not because I learned from my parents, but because I had eight billionaires mentoring me and I invested my money. You guys know in my book, I say, don't buy shoes, buy buildings. And those buildings helped me be able to retire at 45 years of age when I only started buying them at 31. So in 14 years, I made all the money of my life, not in television, but in real estate. So I knew that my new calling was to help other women. That was it. I Got love it.
1: Man. I love it. Oh, my God, Nelly, you have thrown so many great nuggets que nos podríamos pasar aquí toda la tarde platicando. Like, en la verdad. No, verdad. Well, I we want you guys
3: to... to hear it because I want to do a retreat. We have to do a retreat with you, Nelly. No, will do a, a retreat. retreat with you. I could you. do it. Yes. I would love to do it. Let's, Let's do, do a it. retreat. You know, and let me tell you something. Uh, I think that, you know, I in my I really want to send you guys all my book because in my book, I say a few things that I think are very important. And that is that life is your mission, two parallel tracks, mission and money. And money comes first. And that sounds very, you know, I I go all over the country and I meet Latinas that run nonprofits and I go, excuse me, are you rich? And they go, no. I go, you're not allowed to run a nonprofit. I can run a nonprofit. I'm rich. You're not rich. You need to go make money and take care of it. You're going to take care of the whole world. You're going to end up being my age and you're going to wake up resentful. Because no one's going to take care of you when you don't have a pot to piss in. So I I, I think that if I was going to leave you guys with the most important lesson, you know, I made money by the time I was 45. Now, I'm not saying everybody does, but I did. In a very, like, you know, I was doing my mission too, but I really focused on Living beneath my means and taking every penny I made and investing it in real estate and really learning real estate as my, as my side hustle. Okay. My side, my side hustle has, um, surpassed my mission five times in money. Okay. Maybe 10. So it, once your money part of life is, oh, is done, right? That you're done. That doesn't mean you're not going to make more money, but it's not your number one priority. Then you begin to really live. I have had more happiness since I made money to now than all the years before, because I get like, I decide to do a podcast. They want me to do a podcast and I go, I'll do it if I can do it in Spanish too, because I want to, if not, I'm not going to do it. So guess what? They do it. I, you know, I don't, people say to me, have you left doing TV shows? I go, no, but I'm not going to do TV shows when Netflix owns the whole show. No. My show, The Swan, is going to come back, but I'm going to own it, not them. Um, So I get to do everything on my terms. I'm writing a book right now, girls, you're going to love it, with this goaded guy that I found named Julio Gonzalez, like the number one expert in the country on taxes, is a freaking Latino, and he does the taxes for all the billionaires. And I said to him, we are writing a book about taxes because taxes are the holy grail to people getting rich, how you plan your taxes, how you let the government help you and pay for you to start a business. And we don't know it. So I'm writing the sexiest, most mofo book on taxes with the goat. I love it. I love it. Oh my and God. By the way, and at the same time, I went to a retreat with Sandra Cisneros I'm oh. writing retreat with all the best Latina and Latino writers in the country. And I'm writing a book about love because what am I into at this age? I'm into finance and I'm into love. Two very opposite things. You go and girl. Those are things I love and that's what I'm focusing my life on. Love because love is all there is and finance because to get to, to a happy life, ha- money doesn't make you happy, but it gives you the freedom to love or do whatever the hell you want to do right there. Money on the money.
1: That's a perfect segue to one question that we always ask our guests is what advice or words of wisdom would you share with your 25 year old self?
3: Well, I would tell my 25 year old self, enjoy every moment because sometimes you get nervous. Like in twenties are very hard. I think twenties are the hardest years. And I tell my son that right now I said, when I was 25, I worried a lot. Am I going to make it is it going to work out? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I I didn't realize I was living in the East Village in New York in this rent control apartment. My neighbors were all artists. They were playwrights and this, and that's still my friends now. And they would put me in plays and they would say, and I, I'd go like help them, you know, build the sets. I mean, I was having fun even while I was trying to make money. But there was this cloud over my head that was like, oh, I'm wasting time. I'm being silly. Oh, I'm dealing with all these artists, but I, I need to make it. And I wish somebody had just said, you're a winner. You're going to make it. It's Don't worry about it. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy. You're never again going to leave live in the East Village in a $300 walkout walk up. You're never going to have all these friends that are crazy and like, like living sex in the city. Enjoy it. And I tell myself that now. I go, I'm living in a bachelorette apartment in Miami beach and it's beautiful. I have money. I'm in a building with, inc- my parents are alive. I, I save them. <laughs> you know, my son is handsome and gorgeous and the greatest human on the planet. I'm I'm almost 60 years old and men are asking me out in droves. No, I don't have the mate today. So I'm trying not to live in the future. And now I know that you have to live in the present and even if you're going through bad things which i was going through for 2 years and my son goes mom this is i go son you have to even enjoy the bad moment so when the good moment comes you really treasure it i treasure everything i own because i worked for it i made the money i didn't make it overnight i've struggled a lot i've worked really hard and i said and 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 as a result I still walk the walk. I don't live beyond my means. I don't do any of those things. And I have it to give back to other people. I said what could be better than that? Live in the moment in the present. Enjoy every second. When you have those little babies, what I would give for another day with my 8-year-old son that I used to call it. I used to call him, "Hey, I hate 8." <laughs> Cuz 8 is a hard year. <laughs> now I would I would do anything to to be with him again as an 8-year-old as a 4-year-old. You know, and we have to just know life. I, what I, the wisdom I can give you, the, the best thing, the best thing I did right, even at 25, was completion. That's my favorite word in the English. If I say I'm going to go to school, even if it kills me, I'm going to get that freaking doctorate. Terminus, you, know, yeah. you know how many people finished the doctorate? I went in into a cohort of 48 people. Two people finished, of 48. Oh my God. I, I just think to force yourself to complete things is a very powerful thing because your self-esteem is built on completion.
1: Thank you, Nelly. Thank you. I love what you're saying. Like live in the present because no matter like how hard life can get with, you know, being pulled in multiple directions, it's like, enjoy it. Take care of yourself. Live in the moment. I love that. I We stand by that. Uh, we well, need so to be reminded of it, you, you know?
3: Yeah. I want to give yes. you specifically, he, one piece of advice, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're in, and, and again, I've saved my diaries since I'm seven years old. So I get to, when I'm having bad years, like these last two years, I go back to another bad two years. Because let me tell you, you're going to have bad years. And what I remember, what I, what I've really learned, because life is very thematic, is that after my worst years come my three best things every single time. So when I was dealing with my parent thing, I said to myself, this is very bad. I, I, you know, I needed this 20 years have passed and I haven't had that bad of a year. This is a bad, these are bad two years. I go, but I know three great things are coming and they, and, and they've already started coming. So I just want you to know. And also when you give to your parents, that is like, you're doing God's work. You really are. And that is rewarded not that you do it for that, but it is rewarded because a lot of people don't do that
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I like to hear it I know like you were saying sometimes la familia they're very judgy But at the end of the day even even when you're tired you're exhausted I mean, I feel I don't know It just feels good in your heart just to be able to be there and grateful that they're still here, right? Our parents are still here. So take advantage so Oh my God, Nelly, we don't want to end this, but I know, I know, uh, we have to wrap it up, but we're so serious about doing a retreat with you. We'll, you know, contact you via email to set that up, but thank you for being with here and throwing so many amazing gems. We, I saw the three of us in you,
3: like a little bit of everything. You guys have a, a greater, like you're in a social media world and AI is about to quantum leap the world a hundred years. I had it like I was in analog world, okay, completely harder and different. So I've gotten myself this far. You guys have to surpass, and so you have to seek out other women like me that are that are like already have already made it. And it's and that's why to me the most important things we can all do is really bring into the light hidden figure women, because Latino black people, you know, have done that like much better than us. I, you know, I do every black event. I'm like an icon to black people. I, I do all of their events and they call me, I've done all their churches, even their churches have called me and they say to me and they go, because black people, when they latch on to powerful women and not just Beyonce and behind the scenes women, they, 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 I, they make them icons and they get to know them and they use them. They're very, they talk a lot about ancestors and women that are on your shoulders and latinos we're so we're only here so many years we don't get that yet but the power that you guys have is in t- honing in i mean i'll give you a million names of latinas i just found a latina in london who's one of the tr- three top scientists in ai in the world she's speaking in london i'm bringing her i called up aspen institute and i go we're bringing this girl from finland She's Mexicana and she's freaking one of the three scientists in AI. But I don't have any jealousy toward women. I don't have any issues. I, you know, and that's, and and that's only something you're going to find from an older woman. So you guys have to hone in on those, like, like Sandra Cisneros, who is like such a gift to the world. Ruth, they another writer. I mean, I could give you a list of so many Latinas that we all get together because we're all like, and we, that's all we do. Like Sandra just did a writing workshop for 60 Latina writers, young writers with like the 10 best Latina writers in the country. I mean, so I am at your service. So it's, it's, it's for you guys to then ask, I will show up if you ask, but we will I, think ask. Have, I think you have to multiply this whole thing and help. Bring older women to all your women. Because yeah. that's who's going to save you guys. Not a guy. Yeah. Us.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we say it all the time. I mean, uh you know, we're all three of us were in our 40s, you know, decimos cuarentonas y buenonas. But we always say it like, oh, I wish we would have but someone sure to turn to, like, you know, in view. our 20s. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Igual. Yeah. Igual. When you said I'm almost 60, I'm like, wait, what? Pero bueno, Nelly, thank you for being yeah. here. Uh, we enjoyed this. This chat, no queremos que se termine, but tell our listeners how they can find your, you know, all your good stuff, your platform, oh, your very website, yeah. your,
3: very your podcast. Okay, so number one, my book is called Self Made Becoming Empowered, Self Reliant, and Rich in Every Way. And I highly recommend it as an audio book because I did I did the audio and I do all the accents of celebrities. Viejos, uh, you know, mentors. It's hysterical. Honestly, it's going to okay. be fun. Number two, money maker with Nelly Galan. I mean, you guys, I have interviewed Susie Orman, Robert Kiyosaki, Damon John, everybody Americano. And then I have found the Latino and Black and Asian people that are in finance that are goats, presidents of banks that nobody know exists that are Black and Latino. My guy, Julio Gonzalez, that I'm writing a book with, who is the tax guy in the country. I mean, you're going to learn everything about finance, not only from the goats that are already there in the mainstream, but I'm bringing, and then, and then I decided to do it in Spanish, Mi Mundo Rico. So tell everybody, every immigrant, you know, I did that as a gift to every immigrant that's coming into this country right now to onboard you into the country. for somebody that speaks like you to explain it to you. So you don't feel like you're crazy. And then my site, my website is nellygalan.com. What I do recommend is when I wrote my book, I did a a website called becoming self-made. You girls are going to love this. I have 300 hours of content in there. Interviews with every kind of woman you can imagine. Young, old Latina. I mean, there's that, that one's for everybody. So it's a black, Latino, Asian, becoming self-made. And then I have a special site for Latinos only, <laughs> Latinas only called the adelante movement. And it's in English and Spanish. And there you're going to hear all the Latina hidden figures that you guys need to put on the show. Oh. Follow me on Instagram. Cause my kid will kill me if I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's at Nelly Galan.
1: At Nelly, yeah. bueno, aquí loyeron, uh, oh my God. I love I, you girls. We love oh. you we loved you we loved having you we'll you know definitely be reaching out and asking and we're serious about re- that retreat we need a planet so thank you for being here to our listeners you know where to find us on our handle at level of latina también our email is admin at level of our website to book your one-on-one assessment learn more about our guilt free squad and our affiliates level of com. so thank you thank you nelly thank you muchachas
3: Mucho
1: Muchos besitos. Igual. Abrazos. Sí.